Hi, plant friends. Welcome to the Plant Proof Podcast. This is Simon Hill, your host and creator of plantproof.com, your one-stop shop for information on plant-based nutrition. The Plant Proof Podcast is a channel to create thought-provoking conversation with industry leaders, qualified professionals, athletes, and more to help us become more conscious and form healthier and more mindful habits. And now it's time to introduce today's special guest. In this week's episode of the Plant Proof Podcast, I speak to USA professional soccer player Jermaine Jones. Jermaine was born and raised in Germany. He later switched from professional soccer in Germany to represent the United States and ended up scoring a goal against Portugal in the 2014 World Cup. Jermaine is a husband and father of five children who go to a school called The Muse, which is in Calabasas, just outside of LA in California. The Muse is a plant-based school founded by well-known director James Cameron. In this episode, we talk about Jermaine's transition to a plant-based diet, what his club and teammates thought about the way he ate, and what it's like to raise kids without eating any animal products. You can connect with Jermaine and his wife on Instagram. Their usernames will be in the description of this podcast. Jermaine Jones, welcome to the Plant Proof Podcast. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. It's um absolute pleasure to be having this conversation with you. We've we've just offline had a, a chat for 30 or 60 minutes and I think the listeners are are in for a really exciting conversation. You've got a, a wonderful story, both from a professional sport point of view, but also from you know family man point of view, and you're doing some amazing things. So looking forward to getting into it. So let's let's start off learning about your professional career and, and and where you grew up, I guess, as a, as a kid and how you got into playing soccer, you know, at the highest level. Yeah, it's, um, it's pretty easy. I was born in Germany and um, then uh, with the young age of one, I left Germany with my family. My dad is an American, Afro-American. He went uh, to the military in, in, in Germany for the American. So we went to... Well, we came back to the States. So, and then we stayed here for like almost seven years, traveled through different cities, but then I uh, got back to Germany. I was kind of, I would say seven, eight years old. And yeah, my mom and dad got split and I stayed with my mom in Germany. And so, and from there, growing up, meeting friends, loving the, the game soccer, it was for me the number one sports what I wanted to do is the biggest sports in, in Germany. So I sticked with it and I loved it. And and from there, it, it, it started to go into academies, soccer academies. Then uh, got the chance to go play for the, the the biggest soccer academy, Frankfurt. was Eintracht Frankfurt named. And um, yeah, in, in, in the same club, made my first professional game with 18. And as a, as a child, what age do you think you were when you realized that you had the talent and what it takes to take take this all the way to the highest level it's funny um i have now two boys three boys together all about and then i have two twins they're they're really into soccer but then i always tell them you have to have a dreamer really early and they always tell me like oh we ate we can pick when we older and i say always i say no i think i was i always say like around six I think there's a book somewhere where, you know, where it's a kid's picture from school and then what do you want to be someday? Some people say fireman. And, but but I was clear. I always said I want to be a professional soccer player. So I will be, I would say like, yeah, with six, I was already knew what I want to do. Okay. So you, you had that vision from the outset and you ended up, correct me if I'm wrong, representing Germany, the country. Yeah. Yeah. So... I went to all this stuff and played then for, for Germany, youth teams in the, in the young age. But then, uh, yeah, in, went in to play for the men's team. Got two times bad injured with uh, one was a broken shin and the other one was a, a damage in the ligament and, and missed two big tournaments. So and then 2010, they changed the rule and the windows opened that there's a possibility that I go and play for the for the United States. So for me, it was clear. Well, I always tried it already earlier, but there was still the rule, so it was not a chance to switch. But then when they changed the rule, I was, I think I was the first player who switched national teams and countries. 
And so 2010, I decided um, after talking with Bob Bradley, the Nash team coach, I decided to come and play for the United States. And uh, how, how was that received by the, the Germans and your, your ex-teammates and, and coach? And w- were they happy for you to have a new challenge or was it, was it seen as frowned upon that, you know, you were, you were changing countries that you represented? I think it was from both sides. You had people that say, oh, good luck with that. And then other people came and said, oh, why are you going to play for the United States? It's not a soccer country and soccer is not good over there. And, and, but it was clear for me, I said, it, it had a point that I'm half American. And then it was another point was that I said, I want to be a part in to help soccer develop and growing here in the States. So I knew I played the highest level in Europe club wise. So I knew if you go over here, you can help younger kids and uh, in general soccer develop that we can make the next step in soccer. So it was both sides, but I think it's inevitable. You have always the good people and then you have the people who don't see it in That's right. the same way. And, and the, the move itself, when you, when you reflect back on, you know, representing the United States and your time, I believe you scored a goal in the World Cup. Tell us a little more about that. And, and was, was the move as sort of successful and as you anticipated? Yeah, in general, I would say like um, I was really happy at the end. But I came here with, I was not speaking English at all. It was just German. And in the beginning, yeah, it was wow. tough. There was nobody there who can translate for me and, and do stuff. So I had to really back in the days talk with my hands and, and trying to communicate with all my teammates and stuff, or especially with media. But then at one point I said, you know what? Soccer in general, the game is so easy to play and I love it. So what I do on the field is more important. If I play good on the field, the people will always see me in a good eye and will laugh and say, oh, you have a nice accent. And, you know, and, and, and then year for year, I learned and in, in, in make steps forward. And then 2010, when I decided to play the first time, I broke, me, broke my other shin oh, wow. and missed the, the World Cup with the American team. But then 2000, well, before 2014 came, I told my family, I said, I will work put everything in, I want to go to this World Cup. Well, that was my biggest dream. I always said, as a kid, I want to play one day, I want to play a World Cup. And missing with Germany 2006, 2010, missing with the American team, 2008, missing the Europe Cup with the German team, was for me almost three big tournaments I missed. So I said, the fourth one, nobody takes it from me. So I was like really focused on that and told my kids, I knew ex- I knew it would not be only an experience for myself. It would be an experience for my whole family. But I knew they would travel with me. They would be there. They would watch the games. And, and then, what do you say? Scoring the goal against Portugal. I think my oldest son, he's 16. We have still pitch- pictures somewhere here where he was crying. Celebrating. You know? So That's amazing. He was celebrating. Just had he some was shivers down my spine. <laughs> you know, and, and then in all that stuff, you know, then, then changing jerseys with Cristiano Ronaldo, then I got him the jersey and you know, it's it's always it's like an event and it's something I always say you want to be in the biggest party you want to be a part of you know and I was in that day I was a big part of so it was a an amazing amazing opportunity to play the World Cup in for American soccer this goal against Portugal will be in the history of American soccer absolutely and and heading into the World Cup did you envisage that you would score a goal no, you know, I, I said from the beginning of preseason for, to go into the World Cup, I always said I just want to take day by day and just enjoy every day. Why you work a whole season through to go to this point that you get kind of the ticket from the coach and he says, you're the one, you go into the World Cup. So in split down then from, I would say, 32 players in the preseason down to 25 so when, when I knew I'm going, I was like, okay, now, day by day, enjoy it. It's something where you would take for life and will be with you, you know? So I went into it and, and every day I feel good. Every morning I waked up, I enjoyed it. I had so much fun in the breakfast when we were sitting with the team. I had so much fun in training sessions. It was in Brazil and in a country where soccer are really big. So the whole party was a, kind of amazing. So, so you, were, you, you sound like you were very present during that. Yeah. That World Cup. Yeah. And, it's, and, and then when the goal happened, like so much emotion comes and so much goes through your head where you're like, oh man, I was thinking. And you were thinking, I was not really thinking how I celebrate if I saw a goal. But, <laughs> but then when it happens, like, 
it's so much emotion in you that you like, okay, what, what, nah, nah, oh, do this, you know? And, and then it's, it's, it's kind of already over and the game keeps going on. But yeah, still when I watch pictures or movies or clips from it, it's, it's, it's an, it's, it's a game in a, in a World Cup where I would never forget. It's a, it's a really special memory to hold on to for life. Exactly. So that's your playing career. And, and we were talking earlier that you, yeah. you have a, a passion to to now take your knowledge um, understanding of the game and pass that on to junior players through coaching so what's what's your plans there what are you what are you doing now and what do you sort of hope to do in terms of helping shape the game in general for the game i think it's it's we have to find a step in in one point to make the just the next step in soccer but we still 20 25 years almost now is soccer here in the country so it's still young I think with my background, what I did and where I played, I think it's for me the time to say, okay, where can I help to to develop kids and help kids to grow to the next level? And so that's, that's now where I'm trying to concentrate on. I'm still not knowing if I'm finished or not finished with playing, but I let the window open till summer. But now where I have the free time, I'm doing my coaching license and work on that. And then um, I think it's just so much what you can learn, you know, where where maybe... I went through, but there's always stuff where you can correct and make better. Mm. And, and that's what I try to, to, to help kids to, to understand. It's, it's the game in general, what you have to love, but there's something maybe you can, with food, you know, you can, you can take care of your body. You can, and it's like stuff where if you, somebody who comes with the same stuff and learn from it, gives it out to kids, it, it can help them really to say, okay, he did it. It helped him. And he saw mistakes with stuff, what he did. And he changed it, so why I'm not going with the same style, you know? And would you say, as a as a player, your style was it was it an instinctive style, or were you a, a real student of the game and you know studied the way that it, it, it was played and, and looked at it from that angle? I would say my style was like really passionate, so I always knew why I came from really from zero until up to make a professional. I'd have to work so much and do put so much into the game of course it was easy but I loved the game and, and I wanted to play it but I think in general it's 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 that I come from the passion one and I always when I do something I want to do it 100% I throw a whole my whole soul into it and um, there's a lot of people ask me so it wasn't just a talent and I say I think there was sometimes I think there's players or kids outside there have more talent at that time than me but I had that that stride and I said, okay, there's nobody who would take my spot. I want to go and I'm doing it, you know? And so I would definitely say that that I'm, I put a lot of work in and, and then a lot of stuff come, came from passion-wise, yeah. Just to sort of conceptualize that for the listeners as, as a teenager or even younger, someone who's wanting to make it into any sort of professional sport, you say you were, you know, you're working hard. What what does that mean in terms of commitment and sacrifices? Like what what? You know, what, I think I would say it in an easy way. I would say like just be the best of yourself, you know. And then if you if you don't have the talent, but you make the best out of you, whole, I would say like if you best out of your whole situation, how you what you can bring to the pitch, it's enough. You know, if you may be not good on the ball, but you can tackle and you can do this, there will be always guys around you who have maybe more talent and, and better in different stuff. But there's something on yourself where you may be better than them. So, but you have to work that stuff where you better than them. You have to make it that this is the best, what all the guys around you can bring. So that you the best in that part, you know? And that's how I always been is I, I always tell the same to my kids. I say, you can't be the best in everything, but be the best in that where you think you are, you know? So my, I, I, I have my, one of my kids loves every ball sport, but then he's not good in skateboarding. Then I tell him, focus on ball sport. The other one is good on skateboarding, not on baseball. So I tell him, focus on skateboarding. It's like, find the, the, the small pieces in yourself where you feel comfortable in thinking like, oh, I'm the best in that. And you'll enjoy it more. Yeah, as well. then enjoy with that, and and you stick with it, and it and it will help you more to go over the longer picture. And you you mentioned before potential role that nutrition can play in getting the best out of yourself. What stage did you start to look at? I mean, at 
a plant-based diet or pescatarian or vegetarian? When did you, you know, the spark sort of go off and you started getting interested in what you were eating? It started, I would say, really um, around 2014. I started really going into vegan, but before I was, I was a long time vegetarian. I would say 2010, maybe 2010. And, but it was pretty easy. My wife is for a long time ve- uh, vegetarian, vegan. Now she's raw, but she was the one always at home was just veg- veg- vegetarian. So we never eat really at home. But then what we talked before, it's, it was kind of tough when you're on the road, when you're going somewhere, you're going back to eat eggs, you're going back to eat sometimes a little bit more fish, but not every kind of company or my way club Pub, it's, yeah. it's working with you and saying okay if you go and you say like oh I don't eat right now I don't eat the meat why then there will be okay you don't eat meat why you don't eat and yeah why well, I don't like that this and this helps not my body but then you get in one point maybe you get kind of sick or something and then they're coming back and saying you see you see you yeah. not, you don't have the energy you don't have that so I don't want it to get into this trouble while you're still under contract and so I said you know what I stick with this sometimes but every time when I got home I stick with the vegetarian yeah. stuff. So it was a bit of a juggling act to keep yeah. everyone happy. Exactly. And I mean, within the club, this is a very interesting point, you know, professional footballer, what sort of nutrition advice, was there any nutritionist at the club or who, who was who was the sort of go-to person that you could talk to about what you, what you feed yourself? Yeah. Um, back in, the, I would say in Germany, there was not really one. We had a, we had a chef and all stuff and he took care of most of the stuff. Then later on, when I started to really got into it more and, and knew what I want to eat, then was it easier to go to the chef and or to somebody and say, listen, this is what I want. If you guys want that we drink shakes, can you give me a vegan shake? Can you do this? Can you get me the vegetables? Can I eat this? So then it's easier. Of course, you have then people who taking care and, and help you to, 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 to go to. But I said before when we talked, it's, it's more important that you self make process in learning how you want to get food or like what you want to eat. You know, that's most important. So why, then it's easier, but then you can go to the chef and you can say, listen, I need this, 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 and you still feel good with it, you know? And back in the days, I was not, I don't have that knowledge by, whole family was just vegetarian, but we don't have the knowledge really to see, okay, or me, myself, which protein, what this, what helps me to, to bring back my quality or my whole energy back on the field at 3.30. So I was careful and, and scary a little bit. So I said, you know what, I stick with that so I don't get in trouble with them. And, and yeah. then at home, I'm, I'm back on vegetarian. Yeah, I mean, I, I, can, I can totally understand that. If you're eating with the club, and the club doesn't completely understand plant-based eating, then you know potentially the food options aren't everything that you're going to need as a professional athlete. In in specials, I go back like now we have go back 2010. There was not like that was not that big that yes. everybody was talking about or oh, raw vegan or vegan plant-based, yeah. and there was like if you say that everybody was like, what? What are you talking? Yeah, about? so you were seen as you know a little bit of an anomaly, a little bit weird in terms of how you were eating. Exactly. So, yeah, so that makes sense. What about from a, a, a teammate point of view? Were, were teammates interested in asking questions like, hey, Jermaine, what are you, why are you eating that? Or, you know, what, what sort of questions were you getting? I think like, it, the beginning is always laughing. Yeah. You know, people in the beginning are always like, what are you doing? Like, you, you cannot be full with just vegetables and like all like that. But then it's it's funny what I always saw then that they're, they're coming and then they're trying and they're, they're, they're seeing. Like kind of what I say with the shake is I went to a national team camp here and then I said, um, I said to the nutrition lady, I said, can you get me some vegan shakes? So she's like, yeah, I can do it. And then so she brought it back. And then almost at the end of the camp, almost everybody had a vegan shake. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute, why is everybody drinking my vegan shakes? And she's like, no, everybody's coming to me and everybody wants the vegan shake. So people are really interested in, in people wanted to see what helps them. And special, I think what is the main thing is like they want to see somebody who leads something and has an access or like makes, how you said, like goes, uh, it's a good sample, you know, then people, right, we have the problem in this world is a lot of people don't try to be the first. 
They want to lead. They want to be behind the people, you know? So they don't, they don't want to go and say, oh, I'm trying this alone. Why mm. you ne- but most of the time it's like, if you step out and you say, oh, I, I changed something or I want to change something, people will come against you. And so a lot of people don't want to stand there alone and say, okay, I'm fighting. I'm, I'm see what comes, you know? So a lot of people wait and see how it works. Oh, it works good. Oh, let me try a little bit. And exact that, how, that was how it was in, in, in the sport. So it sounds like your, your sort of approach to, to this was more to lead by example rather than to try and you know, tell everyone the way that they were eating was wrong. Yeah. No, it is like a, the point is it's, it's pretty easy. We all go in, in, in defense mode when, when you go to somebody and you tell them oh, that what you're eating right now is not good and that's not this. Then you, you just push him away from that what you normally want. So you're trying to help and to maybe reach him that he's trying something where you feel like it can help him. So you have to wait till he comes and says, like, what, what is that? What are you eating? Or what is the shake and stuff? And then, of course, then they have to try it. And then they have to make the, for themselves the decision what it is. So they like it. And then it's the next step. Then you can say, look, you know how much animals die for this and this and this. Right? I learned from it. If you're trying to, to always push, push for it. it. Yeah. People step away, then they're like, oh, no, it's too much. And that's when it becomes confrontational and it's this whole, you know, you versus me type thing. And and it's hard for anyone to sort of be educated when you create that environment for a conversation. Exactly. Um, You mentioned your wife and she has a brilliant, you know, business and Instagram profile with a lot of amazing raw recipes and whatnot and some that I'm surely going to try out very soon <laughs> um, and I'll put her uh, profile at the the bottom of this podcast link for okay. anyone, anyone else to check out there there's some really really good stuff on there did you sort of transition to a, a plant-based diet at the same time as your wife and five kids or how did that all sort of work out no my wife is I always uh, I always say to people my wife is comp- I almost I would say my brain you know she's a she gives the way where we go with the family and she's doing all my stuff where especially with health, where's the best for myself. And she was the lead. She was going straight up the first person and, and said, I, we have to change this with the family. We have to go, we have to go vegetarian. And she said, we have to go vegan. Now she's raw. So she's like, guys, we all, we eating almost the kids already eat at home, almost raw. So she's the, she's the one who, who leads every time the the steps and, but she's really in. She knows it, what she's talking. She did that. She went to, to school yeah. to learn all the stuff. She's now, she's in nutrition. And so she's really into it. And to, to make that steps, I feel like you have to be into it. Like yeah, how so she is, I. you know, that you really know what you're talking. Especially if you have a husband like me, I, before I make steps, I want to know why you want me to make that step, you know? Yeah. And so we, we, we go on always back and forth, but, but she's just... She's like an amazing human being. She's, she, she always does the best for our kids that they're really learning what they're taking into themselves. She's, we have an amazing house, amazing kitchen. We're really big. So she sits down with our kids and cooks with our kids, you know, that they're really seeing what they have, what she takes in there. And, and then she's, she's faking meat and stuff like that, you know, that the kids think they eat meat. And then she said, no, I don't eat, you don't eat meat. You're doing this and this and, and that's, I think it's, it's important that especially if you have, what you said, we have five kids then to, to see that she puts so much work in for where we feel sometimes we get, uh, or she gets overpowered where she's like, oh, I'm tired. But then when she goes to sleep up there and we're in the room, she goes like, you know, I'm, I want to help them that they, if I release them to go to the world that they know exactly, look, this is animals. They have their love, they have kids, they have this. This is food where she, she built a, in the back garden, she built a big, uh, a, like a vegetable garden with the kids where they're going in and she shows where, what, what kind of salad you can do. And it's kind of, and it's, it's pretty good to see. So there's definitely sounds like there's a lot of education there. And, you know, we, we spoke off air a little bit about their schooling, more formal education. And, it's it's really it's really cool that they they actually attend a school which you know is sort of behind plant based nutrition. It's, it's yeah. all they serve, right? Yeah, yeah. So they're 
It was the same. My wife found or find, was going out and reaching and looking why my kids stayed in a private school somewhere else. Then she found Muse School and it's it's owned by um, James Cameron. And and there was like then plant based in 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 all kind of stuff like they're doing like they go into the garden they get the the vegetables and all the stuff for the food from their backyard and and all kind of stuff and all kids are involved always and and that's in in and that was exactly what my wife was looking for she's now the kind of president of the school too she's in a board and stuff and in in yeah she's she she loves it and and for me it's good just to know that that my kids really. They're, they're learning what they're eating. They're learning to be themselves, you know, in, in, in their, their school is just the best for it. And, and they're not, I mean, they're not sort of going to school and picking up bad habits or being taught the opposite of what they're learning at home. It's more just further reinforcement yeah. of the same things that they're learning at home in terms of how they should feed themselves. Exactly. Yeah. No, uh, I, I always say, you know, you can see that your kids love the school. It's like if you wake them up in the morning and you say like it's school time and they're like, oh, let's do it. Like in they change clothes and they get out of the house quick. Then you know that they're really into the school. But this, the school, I would say the school property and everything looks like kind of a, a, a hippie village back in the days. And they did a really good job. The kids are more outdoor and that's what I really like. And I wanted my wife too, that the kids are outdoor, that they know, learn what kind of animals out there in like what plants you can eat and what, what you can grow to eat. And, and it's exactly the school what teaches the kids that steps in. And not only from my youngest one, she's five. So you, it goes up to my oldest one, 16 is on that school. You know, they're going on camping trips where they're sleeping outside in tents and, and talking and, and figuring out like with no fo- phones and stuff like, and, and that's, I love it. It's, it's good just to, I, I was a kid who come from a city and, and I'm still learning and for them to see them in a young age where I have one, of the twins, he loves to cook already. He loves, he's every day he comes home, he's, he's with his mom in the kitchen and he cooks like salads and, and oh, he wow. knows exactly what he wants. He goes like, okay, I need this. I come back. And then he runs back to the garden, picks out <laughs> what he needs, you know, comes back and, and it's incredible. And that's how, then I look sometimes and I'm like, what? <laughs> I would not, I don't know what, what he needed, you know, but, but that's like, yeah, why we really happy. And it's, it's not just, the, the nutrition side of things that the Muse School is sort of going against the grain, so to speak. They're, they're also the, the way the children are, are taught and spoken to and I guess yeah. cl- you know, classified or whatnot, um, categorized. Just shed some light on that in terms of how they're getting a slightly different type of schooling and teaching experience than a traditional elementary school. Yeah, it's like, uh, sometimes it's tough, you know, when you have big, big classroom special with a lot of kids, then it's more like I've been into a school like this where you go on in and, and, and everybody learns exact the same way. And if you don't fit into the group, then at the end of the year, they come to the parents and say, listen, he's not making the step to the next group. So he have to stay with the younger ones who come up now just to push him with the team and and, and there's a completely spe- different why Kenyan, one of my kids, he's, um, he got a lot of energy. He's the best kid, but he wants to be outside. He cannot sit on in on the chair for like ten minutes, you know. When we went to bring him to the school, then they made they make for all kids. They make a test and with the parents too. And then you can see what kind of person you are. If you're a rebel, a harmonizer. If you uh, there's a bunch of in. So and he was a rebel. So and rebel means like he's a lot of energy and in a lot of power. So. So he needed a, a teacher who can maybe relate knowing he's a rebel so that you don't tell him like, oh, sit down now, sit down. So you'll be like, hey, dude, take a run outside so and come back. more on his level. Exactly. Get and a better response. He gets it real quick and, and he comes back and he's boom, he sits and he's doing his work, you know. In, in the other way, you have my other son, the twins, you have the other guy, he's like a harmonizer. He needs maybe more like a kind of a hug and like, what's going on? You need some help. And, and that helps him, you know? And, and that's something where we saw process that they're making better steps and they've gotten better. So we, we were really happy with that. And I think you, you mentioned, uh, is it your, your eldest daughter who's already starting to 
to sort of throw around ideas about what yeah. she'd like to do when she's older. She's my oldest daughter. She's really into nutrition. She's really into good food and taking care. And what she wants to do, she's always looking when we went into Whole Foods or other grocery stores and she's always like, oh, I want to do that. I want to build one, but I want to build a whole vegan one. I, I want to be an owner of that. And I'm like, you know that you're 14 years old, you're still too young too. And she's like, no, I will do that. That's that's what I want to do. Well, I want to have a vegan restaurant, something like that. She's, But it's like something too, what they learn from the school is like they're learning already to find yourself, your ideas, you know, and, and then stick with them and, and work your whole whole system and your lifestyle to this you know you can see when you talk with my with my daughter she's she's really in for woman rights and all all that kind of stuff like yeah, and she's, she's how old 14 14 wow yeah and she's really into it and then you have my oldest one who's 16 and he wants to be a sporting director of a, a soccer team you know and he's he's really into all of that he knows he's really kind of we they told us he's like um a little bit more percentage smarter than maybe other kids but he's he watched soccer games, but then he goes just with the numbers. So he, yeah, wow. he ideas all numbers and then he can tell you from the games they played, how much scoring. It's quite analytical. Minutes. Yes. So he goes like, okay, after the season, the end of the season, they can be on second position if they keep going like this and stuff. And so, but they're both really, but in general, all my kids really know what they want to do, especially the two oldest ones. And you've, um, you've, you've built a, a, a child's dream playground here in uh, <laughs> in Malibu or Cal- Calabasas, sort of yeah. border where we are. <laughs> you've you've put a uh, almost professional style soccer pitch down yeah. down the front there, and a few other things. Tell us about what you're doing in terms of you know teaching the kids about the animals and whatnot at home. Before we lo- moved here, 2014, we were living in Encino. It's more closer to the city on the backside of Beverly Hills, but we. Of course, wanted to be close to the city too, but me and my wife still in the age where we were like, sometimes we have to go out, we have to go get dinner and stuff. And then there came a point where we said like, you know what, there's there's more stuff to do than just going out and, and seeing the stuff, you know? So my wife decided to say, let's go. Did we find maybe a ranch, something kind of that. And so we went out, we were looking. Then my wife came back and she's like, oh, there's that amazing house. It's empty and it looks amazing. So we took a, a ride to here. And I saw it and I said, oh, it looks like George's is amazing. It's kind of Ibiza style, like the house, you know, like in Spain. And That's what I thought when we first pulled up. It's yeah. very, very Spanish. Exactly. And then, and we loved always that kind of style. And then we talked with the agent and the agent said, yeah, I'm sorry, but there's somebody, somebody in, in, he wants to buy the house. And, and I was like, oh, good. Okay. So what we had, what can we do? And he's like, you guys can put a second offer in and, and see if he if he comes through to ESCO or not. So I said, okay, let's do it. And then we get a week later, we get a phone. He called phone. Uh, he called us and he said, like, you guys are in. And I was like, okay, now we have the second house. <laughs> so we like, well, I told my wife, okay, you know what? Let's get all cl- furniture out. We move in the house in that time we put on the market. So then we moved in. And then me and my wife, one day we were sitting and, and then we went to some sanctuary farms here. And, and then we heard that one will close over in where we went with the kids always. And they had like pigs and horses and everything. So we looked around and then we said, look, we, my wife said, they're closing this and they have two horses. We have horse property. What do you think? And I'm like, what do you think? And she's like, yeah, I, I think maybe to take the mini horses. And I'm like, if you want to take him, you have to, we have the space. So then, yeah, she, we, we called somebody to build like a, a barn where they can sleep and all stuff. And then got the mini horses, rescued the mini horses, then uh, had already two dogs. Then my wife said like, Hey, I saw on Instagram, they have like this page, look, this two dogs. No, look, this one dog. She, he looks amazing. And I'm like, I'm just looking, I'm like, Oh, he looks really good. He's nice. Yeah. Oh, she's like, can we, can we get him? I said, like, okay, let's, Let's drive over there. So we go over there. Then we saw him, like a Rottweiler, German people mix. And then we're like, oh, he looks really good. We have the property for it. Like, I'm like, okay, then let's take him. And then in the moment where we turn around, the brother comes in. They were like eight weeks old. So the brother walks in 
And I was like, oh, he looks good too. Then my daughter <laughs> said, what is with him? Oh, we cannot split them. They're brothers. And so we said, okay, then we rescue both of them. So now we have, now we have the, re- we rescued them. So in, yeah. And then we had the dogs. Then I built a soccer field for, for the kids that they can play outside. Then we built zip lines. We built like kind of bunch of stuff under, under you know, bottom level. So and I mean, just just to sort of paint a picture for the listeners, we are, you know, positioned forty minutes out of LA, not even, but we're surrounded by mountains, and you can you can barely see any neighbors. It's absolutely breathtaking where we are. Yeah, it's it's, it's no no doubt. It's, you have nature, we, but that's what we wanted. We we like to go hiking with the kids. We like to spend time outside. It's it's. And I go out. I go uh, snake hunting with the kid, with the with the boys. We go. And you we, caught you caught a snake yeah. last week, right? You know, two recently. days ago. Two days ago. Yeah, rattlesnake. Rattlesnake. So we were we were, we were talking about how <laughs> you or perhaps your wife were was a little scared to come to Australia with all, yeah, <laughs> all yeah, the poisonous exactly, snakes. Yeah. Ten, 10 most dangerous animals all in <laughs> we can kill you live in Australia so but we we good out here so we have to we have rentals, uh, tarantulas snakes mountain lions we got a bunch of good stuff out here but that's the that's the risk what do you what do you get with the with the nature you know especially if you I always say it's it's not that they come to your home you you went to their home so and now we have to figure out how we live all together which is a nice way of looking at it yeah <laughs> So I think there'll be a number of, of listeners who are parents and, you know, might, may benefit from some sort of take-home messages on raising kids without um, animal products in terms of their nutrition. Do your kids ever come up to you? I mean, they, they're, they're a little bit different because they actually go to a school which is focused on plant-based nutrition, but have they ever come up to you with any sort of curly questions or really you know, said, Hey, I want to, I want to eat this burger or I want to eat this, or is that yet to come? And you're sort of <laughs> waiting for that yeah. once they go to university or whatnot, or, and, and, and how would you as a father approach that? Most of the time, like it's, of course, you as a parent have to live it before them. You know, you have to show it to them that you do it too. And then it's easier to explain. All my kids know that we, we get sometimes like that kind of vegan junk food, you know, just yeah. to, to let it go once. But, um, but then it's like times when you go, we said like a kid's birthday with, from friends and there maybe the family is not a vegan family. So they have uh, normal vegan cakes and all kinds of, so not vegan cakes and then like candies, but we don't like that our kids eat sugar. So, and then just what we do is like we prepare before we, we get something where we know that's vegan. So you can hold on when Whole Foods or somewhere else, you know, and buy some vegan candy real quick and you can take it. This is for you guys. Well, right now is it like for us, it's kind of easy why most of the people who invite us know we're vegan. So they always have a separate something for us, you know? So, but of course there's times where they are like in their kids and they're seeing other kids eat, like we say lollipops and stuff like that. And we don't like that they eat sugar. So we always say like, you know, it's, it's not for you. So we, you can eat something else if you want it, you know. So I think I think that's actually an important point. It's not just that you're saying animal versus plants to them. It's it's a healthy overall, a healthy diet. Yeah, you know whether it's animal or sugar or what. Exactly. So. Yeah, it's 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 in general, especially if you're parents, you don't have to look at to say, oh, I don't want that you eat animal product. At the point is like you want that your kid is healthy or not healthy. So and that's easy if your kid is. Uh, to energizes and runs around and blah blah. Look what you give him, maybe. Look how much sugar he eats. You know, it's like stuff like this. Then, if you're getting older, if you have kids, maybe who have a lot of pimples and stuff like that, then maybe you have to tell, look, you eat this and this and this, or maybe you, how much milk product you have and stuff like that. You know, so there's always something related. But at the end, is it like the parents have to know, okay. They have to look in and then they have to make the decision. I want a healthy kid or I don't want a, a healthy kid and, and just go with the, the whole flow, you know? And and obviously the parent needs to be very educated yeah. in terms of making sure they're giving their kids the right. That's, a, that's what I'm saying before. The first thing is like you have to live it in front of your kids yeah. so that they can learn it at the end. It's, the easy part is always like if you 
if you educate it, like I have my wife who's really educated and looks into it. So I live almost what she's doing. So it's easy for me and all my kids see it, what me and her are doing. So they're doing the same what we do, you know? So then it's easy. But if she will do this and I will eat still meat, my kids will be like, confused. Oh, dad is eating meat. So why can I eat meat? And, and, and okay, you, I don't want to eat this, you know? And so they always go with this way. At the end, they're your kids. They're doing always that. What do you do? And the, the younger ones have pretty much been plant-based from when they were born, right? Yeah. But then your your two two eldest, yeah. they would have, they did the transition sort of with you, so they would have you know tasted and, and sort of become familiar with animal based meals. Has it been a different process for them? And have you noticed any change changes in terms of just them in general since they have moved away from animal products? You know, it's like I, I would say, like special okay the, with the younger kids, with my three youngest, it's kind of easy where right they're. They don't know how it tastes and how it is, you know. The the older ones, I think they make their decisions in one time where they, the beginning was like, we told them you can't do it. Then they got in an age where they're like, got more into it, especially the girl than seeing like, well, what we did is like, maybe some people would say, boy, this is too much. But what we did is like, we look at a lot of documentaries. Yep. And then when we feel like they have an age, they understand it. We tell them like in the, at night, like before you sit on your iPad and do stuff, sit with us. We watch this documentary about something and then they sit a, with do us. Do you have a favorite documentary? There's a bunch, but I would say the, a good one was um, What what a Health. What the Health, yeah. That was good. Where this other, I would say my daughter got into this really. Okay. And, and then we have like a bunch of people where we go and we have like a friend. He's like, um, he, he has a restaurant out in, uh, in downtown. And what they're doing is like they're going every Sunday, they're going to the slaughterhouses and wait till the trucks come and then they give the, the, the pigs and all that stuff, give them water and stuff before they get into the slaughterhouse. So we're trying to teach them that they're knowing what happened with the animal up kind of an age so they understand it. Mm-hmm. So that they're knowing, okay, it's not only health. The next step is like we help them animals just that they don't get slaughtered. And like it's just really important because... I think a lot of people that eat animal products, they're not, they're just not aware of, you know, what's happening in the slaughterhouse, the abattoir, because, you know, you get your meat in a packet and it looks nice in yeah. the supermarket. But if they genuinely, genuinely did know what had happened, they probably would change what they eat. Yeah. So. No, the, the point is, if you would say people, it's easy when you say with, with lamb, Lamb is a, it's a baby and it tastes good and it's soft and all this kind of stuff, you know? But then if you tell people, you take a whole table, everybody eats maybe lamb when it comes at the back or like the, or the kitchen. But if you tell them like, here's the baby lamb, kill it and do it. They would be like, oh, disgusting. I we're not doing it, you know? And that's how you have to see it. It's like everything you, you, you taste, there's something, it was an animal who don't want to die. But you, with your stuff, like if you, one of 10 start to say no, Maybe it, it, it reduced and reduced so that the industry cannot produce more and more and more. So, and then the next step is if we produce more and more and more, there come sick animals, but they have maybe space for 50 cows, but they put 100 cows in there. So you starting eating bad meat. And this is like what people have to understand. It's like step by step, you making it worse and worse and worse. So instead you say, oh, I'm one of 10 who say no, then maybe next year is like two of 10 who say no. So then is the industry starting struggle. And then at one point they have to say, okay, we, we, we have to shut down one slaughterhouse and maybe two slaughterhouses. And it's happening and, now. Yes. You know, there's, a, there's a dairy company, yeah. one, of, one of America's biggest dairy companies. I think it was 105 years old, this company. Elmhurst, it's called, and you can Google that. They have shut their dairy manufacturing down and now only produce almond milk, hazelnut, macadamia milk, and a couple other plant, yeah. plant-based milks. And that's a demand. Yeah, that's that's the goal. And that's the steps where, where we'll go. When when you see how big is the, the whole community going about vegan and raw vegan, it's just it's just a step, and especially now where you have celebrities coming out too and saying, oh, I feel better with it and, and talking about it in public. And it, it, it's just a time where people will understand and 
And then it's the problem is too, if you, there's so many stuff, documentaries, and you can watch in, you can watch on YouTube, you can watch almost everywhere where you can see you're getting, you're getting sick and you have just to have change your diet and, and you can get up and you can feel better and you get, you get healthy and you don't have to take all the medicine and medic, medicine, what they're trying to give you, you know? But it's like what you said at the beginning, you have to want to change, you know, and you have the want to look into all this stuff. So if that's something what you shut off straight away, then it, then it's tough. And I think for anyone who is interested, so what the health, which Jermaine just mentioned, is it's a it's a, actually I think is a great one for kids because it focuses mainly on the health aspect. It does dip into the animal side of things, but if you're going to get them watching something initially and you don't want too too much graphical stuff, it's it's a good one. Yeah. But the um, you mentioned James Cameron before and the, the Muse School, and he's just been involved in a new documentary, which is now airing in America now in 500 and something cinemas called Eating You Alive. And I think it's available online globally. I'll let you guys know underneath this podcast, but I think it's available online in like four weeks. And that's that's another really good one for people to watch. If you're sort of, you know, umming and ahhing and you need a little bit more information and education to sort of be confident with that switch. You you just mentioned a friend of yours from a, an LA restaurant. What are your top tips for dining in, in Los Angeles? You know, for anyone interested in checking out vegan or plant-based food establishments, whether that's a cafe or a yeah. nice dinner spot. There's, there's a couple of ones, I think. The funny part is like now you find almost everywhere like vegan dishes. So especially in normal restaurants already. But if you want to go really for vegan, there's Crossroads and Melrose. What is a good spot? I had the had the Impossible Burger there on when they have their brunch menu on yeah. the weekend. Yeah. No, that's it's it's an amazing burger. Then you have uh I think in Venice is blend and wine. Blend food and wine or something. That's like that. one of uh, Matthew Kenny's yeah, restaurants. Yeah, that's pretty good. I haven't been yet, but is that good? Yeah, it's really good. It's we we love it. We go a lot. Then they open in downtown. They open a real good raw food restaurant. Okay. In um, I don't know really the name. It's really we'll get, we can get the name later. Yeah, it's it's brand new, but it's it's. I think my wife will know the name, but it's it's good. I tell you. So your wife's now, hundred percent sort of raw. Yeah. where where are you in terms of that spectrum of, of eating raw versus cooked uh, um, food? You know, it's 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 a complete different story. <laughs> I tell you, to go raw, I went. So when she started to go raw, she started I think three four weeks ago to go really hundred percent. She's the she's the one who goes like from one day after the next. She's like, you know what? I go raw. I was like, I go with you. Let's do it. And and I, I broke it. I said, oh, it's it's too tough. It's it's this is like the next step. You have the know where you're going into, you know, and, and I don't know it exactly why she's more focused on it. So she's looking, she's watching. And then what she have the bonus is like she knows to cook all that stuff. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of easy for her. And so I said, you know what, I go 80-20 and uh still wanna be raw. But then sometimes maybe hit a vegetable soup in there, like a, something warm, you know. Why I'm still like this guy. I cannot let go from from that really warm stuff. Yeah. So in terms of your your favorite dish, if you were were going to say, what is your your number one go to dish? If if you could have anything that you you wanted, what would it be? You know, I would say if it's outside, maybe like what you said, like Impossible Burger or something, a good one. But then I'm I'm really into salads. I really like the salad, you know, especially where we live in California. It's so hot most of the time. You're not really hungry. So I like just a good fresh salad, like like iceberg in there and like some some kind of vegetables and like kind of a vegan vegan ram sauce or something in there. It's it's some nuts on top. I think that's that's something what I really like. It's it's more than some dishes with my wife. Like she's, she's, she's really good, especially with uh, raw sna- like snacks after, after dinner or after lunch. And uh, I'm, I'm going to let you go 
very, very shortly. But I do have one last question, which we kind of we kind of missed just earlier when we were talking about your career. When you did transition in 2014 to a completely vegan diet, did you have any, did you notice anything different in terms of performance or recovery or injuries? And, and can you shed some light on that? Of course, what, what people have to understand is like if you translate and you go over, it's like that you most of the time lose a lot of weight in the beginning time and then you feel like kind of weak. And um, I think, but that's just something that your body had to shut off and, and put all the stuff out what you were eating maybe before and stuff like that, you know? So, and then comes this transition where I always say like it, it blocks over and then you start to feel better, energy comes back and in, in, in all kinds of stuff. You know, I was not tired anymore after eating food. And before I was like, always a kind of, oh, I need rest right now. And I'm after sleep eating, after, after eating, eating like, like a steak, steak, or steak or something, you know? Yeah. After then, that, um, I felt better. So my whole body, I, what was easy to, to keep my weight always on the same point, what I needed. And this was, was something too, what I was struggling before, before I started going vegan, why I was, doing a lot of stuff, eating a lot of stuff. And then getting into that vegan is really like you cut almost out every diary project. So in, and then I started what, what I'm doing now is like putting the bread and all kind of stuff away where, where you're still getting weight. And sometimes you sit in front of the mirror, you know, and you're like, Oh, I'm losing, trying to lose that belly fat here and stuff. And then if you go in vegan, it's like stuff start melting and melting. And that's, and it's something, yeah, with, with injuries too. If you have a lot of muscle injuries and stuff, I'm, I had a lot of injuries, but kind of injuries where somebody jumped in into where you really, there's no chance. Exactly. But never had a muscle tear, tear or something. Yeah. Yeah, Never. So there was something um, where I feel really, really, really good. So especially in recovery after games, I got quick in next day where I feel like, oh, I'm back in, you know, I can go. That was not always like that. Well, mate, I would like to thank you very much for making yourself available today. We had a great lunch down in Malibu and you've welcomed me into your home. I've met your wonderful family. For that, I am truly grateful. You have a, a, such an inspiring story as a professional athlete and a husband and father of children that are living a plant-based lifestyle. So for anyone who does want to connect with Jermaine, and I believe there will be many of you, you can jump onto Instagram and follow him. His username is at Jermaine underscore Jones, and that's Jermaine spelled J-E-R-M-A-I-N-E. And that's this week's episode of the Plant Proof Podcast. Connect with myself and the Plant Proof community at plantproof.com and at plant underscore proof on Instagram. Don't forget to sign up to the newsletter to receive our free plant-based nutritional information, including recipes, important blogs, and much more direct to your inbox. Until next time, folks, I'm your host, Simon Hill. Keep your spacesuit plant-proof.